Hello, Britt. Thank you so much for joining me on the Dental Hygiene Basics podcast. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, and I just wanted to mention again how much I love what you're putting out into the world in terms of dental hygiene, the advocate that you are for dental hygienists. And I like that you're sharing the realness that's going on in the world of your life revolving around dental hygiene, because I think just the more that people see other people's lives, we realize we're maybe not so alone in the adventures of dental hygiene that we're going on. So thank you for being here. I do just want to start by having you tell us about your background, kind of where you started, what led you to dental hygiene, just your RDH origin story, basically. Yeah, thank you so much for for having me on the podcast and, you know, giving me another opportunity to to share with other hygienists and students and everybody who's listening. So I originally started out as a dental assistant um, and I became a dental assistant because I knew that it could make me more than minimum wage. That was really like my ultimate thing that I wanted. I just wanted to make more than minimum wage and somehow get out of my parents' house. And as I became a dental assistant for more than like, I think it was maybe two years, I started to think about what else I can do. And in the city I was in, there wasn't a whole lot of growth for dental assistants. And I really just started to wonder like, what else could I do? So I started researching. And when I was Googling things, I was searching, um, best paying job you could get through community college because I didn't have any financial support other than my own. So I was really looking for what degree I could get through community college that would pay well. And it just so happened that when I was looking at these lists, dental hygienist was on there and I was like, okay, well, I'm already an assistant. Maybe I can do hygiene. And so I was between hygiene and nursing because the prereqs are really similar And ultimately I ended up picking hygiene just because I already knew that I could work in dentistry and I was good with the field. I was good with saliva, blood, all that stuff. Um, And once I started dental hygiene school, I really fell in love with it. So my passion came afterwards. I didn't have like, you know, oh, I was uh, five years old and I wanted to be a dental hygienist. It wasn't like that for me. Um, I was really just looking for financial stability. And that's, I knew that becoming a dental hygienist could give me that. Um, and then once I started practicing and I just really fell in love with it. And that's kind of, I guess you can say my origin story, a little bit of it. (laughs) I know. I like it. And then share kind of what you're doing now in the dental hygiene space. Oh gosh, a lot. Um, I would say, well, I'm practicing clinically. I, I am taking a little bit of a break right now. I am in a job transition, um, but I was working four days a week for the past three years and I have written articles. Um, I'm starting my speaking journey. So I've been doing webinars and um, this weekend, I actually have my first in-person course that I'm doing. So I'm very nervous and excited about that. Um, and I mean, just going to dental conferences and creating content. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I like to bring up the content. Honestly, I'm sure most people who are listening to my podcast, they're probably on Instagram and they probably already know who you are, but it's funny. That's the last thing I said. (laughs) Oh, I know. I'm like, but people probably know who you are from that, but I'm glad that you're starting to do all these other things because I think it's just so great to show future dental hygienists, the growth that we have in the career. Um, you're still working clinically or plan to work clinically, which is, you know, the hands-on in some type of dental practice or situation. 
but there's so much more outside of that now. And I think it's just so good for people to see where you can go with your career. And uh, yeah, so I love that. Well, I do kind of want to talk about your journey and I really want to dive in, if you don't mind sharing a little bit on the debt-free aspect of going to dental hygiene school, because one of my most popular episodes was a, um, she was a former dental hygiene student of mine. She's just graduated, but we talked about kind of affordable dental hygiene and how she used scholarships and things like that. And she said she came out with much less debt and that was very popular. And so that made me think of you with your story. And I really wanted to kind of go into that today, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. I, let me see, where do I start? Um, well, first I started researching how to become a dental hygienist. And that's when I learned that there's, you know, usually three different routes, bachelor's degree, associate's degree, and going to trade school. And once I looked into a university, I knew that that was not an option for me. I didn't have the grades nor the funds. And trade school was a shorter length of time, but again, very, very pricey. I think at the time it was like $85,000 and and I didn't have like a co-signer for a loan or like anything like that. So I knew that wasn't an option. So I started researching community colleges and I found that there was one three hours away from me that had a dental hygiene program. And I just set my eye on that school and I said, that's where I'm going to go. And I, I, at the time, I didn't even know that I could have done my prerequisites like while I was still living at home. This was like how little of knowledge I had about the college journey. And so I moved to that area where that community college was and started my prereqs. I did all of my prereqs and the dental hygiene program in the same school. Um, And that program at the time, it's a very, very um, cost-effective school. It's it, at the time, I think it was thirteen thousand dollars. I was making sixteen an hour as an RDA in Southern California, um, and I worked full time throughout all of my prereqs. So I would go to work during the day, like eight to five, and then I would go to night school. So it would be like five thirty to ten p.m., and then I would take any courses that I could take online. I was also working at a dental office that was open on Saturdays. So that did allow me to pick up another shift. I had friends that were bartenders or worked at night, and that seemed to be a better option just because of the hours. Um, Being an assistant and trying to go to school is a little tough just because dental offices are typically eight to five. So I worked throughout all of my prerequisites. And then I also made sure that I was a full-time student every semester so that I could receive the full benefits from things like FAFSA. So FAFSA was something that did help me financially um, while going through the prereqs and the program. And then I would apply for scholarships like every chance I got. I didn't get very many though. Um, but in the program, I ended up getting one for, um, I can't, I it would think it was my GPA or something at the time, but there's a lot of, diff- there's more options now for scholarships for students and then also grants. So that was really the way that I financially was able to afford community college. And I lived very, very small. So I actually lived in, I want to say it was like 250 or 300 square feet. Like I lived in a, basically it was a bedroom with a bathroom. And then there was a small area with a fridge and like a tiny little countertop. Um, So I actually lived there for 
six years and I stayed there because it was something that I could like barely afford. And then I didn't have a car payment because I drove my uh, parents' old uh, 1997 Toyota Corolla. And um, that kept my insurance low and I didn't have a car payment. So that helped as well. Um, and there was actually a time where I unfortunately totaled that car and I would ride my bike. So I rode my bike to work as a dental assistant. And then I would ride my bike to the community college to go to class. So it was kind of an interesting time for me. And then um once I got another older car, that's the car that ultimately like took me through hygiene school. Um, but just trying to really keep costs low. I wasn't, you know, out spending a bunch of money and um I lived very, very small and within my means at the time. I really I love that part of your story. Um, so when my husband and I, we both graduated and went on to do masters and things like that. And so when we got married, we were staring down the barrel of like in student loans. And it was super overwhelming for me. And so I just came up with a plan. We decided we were going to pay it off as quickly as possible. And we ended up paying it off in like 28 months, which was crazy. And we still had a life, but it wasn't as grand. You know, I'm looking at my friends who are purchasing houses and doing other things. And I was like, I can't do any of that. You know, I was driving a beater, you know, so it's like, I, I was used to that. Um, And so I like that because some people don't think about the sacrifice up front that you can make to save yourself from the sacrifice after. I think it's easier when you're already kind of planning the journey to start planning the finances of it. So I really like all of the tips that you gave because I think that's really good. I do wonder going through all of that, how did you keep your motivation up? Because that's really hard to work all day, go to night school, sometimes riding a bike wherever you're going. How did you stay motivated and positive? You know, for me, I just remember growing up and my parents have always been like paycheck to paycheck and, you know, finance, finances have never been like an easy thing. Um, so I just always remembered that and it just made this thing in me that like, I just wanted financial stability. I didn't even care about like, you know, I, I was not trying to have a fancy car and a fancy house and all that stuff. I just wanted to be able to be okay on my own and not worry like what's next month going to look like. And I feel like just that in itself, just kept me motivated. Like I'm going to get through this program no matter what, and I'm going to get it done because I have to, you know, I, I didn't want to go back to assisting. Um, I didn't really have other options that I was looking at. So it was like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And I mean, there were days that were really, really hard and I struggled. Um, but I feel like I always give the advice to students, like, just put it at the forefront of your brain of like what it is that your goal is going to be. Cause I have people that reach out like, Oh, what do you do about like professors that are mean or, you know, they don't want you to pass or whatever. You have to remember that at the end of it, you want to add RDH to your name and you want to get that license and that's the ultimate goal. So there's going to be some things that you just have to deal with, whether that is a tiny little room that you live in or a crappy car for the moment, you know, whatever it is. Um, so I feel like that's kind of what kept my motivation up was just the end goal. I think that's great advice because, you know, we kind of decided we were going to do that when we toughed it out and paid the debt off at the end, you know, once we, we were done and we were like, okay, 
now we could do anything with our lives. Like we're used to putting all this extra money towards debt. It's like, what can we do with all of that extra money now? You know? And so now we're able to save. I was able to leave my job teaching at, which is a whole nother story, but, uh, we thought we were moving and then we ended up moving back. So anyways, but in that time, it was a blessing because I was able to go into public health hygiene, which the pay is a little bit lower. And I'm able to focus on the podcast and tutoring and other like side hustles with my business that I'm doing. But I couldn't have done that with all of that debt looming over my head. I would still be working clinical, trying to make the most money that I could make, you know? So I like, I, I like that you're bringing that up and that it's something that you're willing to talk about. Cause I think people need to keep the end goal in mind, but also what's the smartest path to getting there. I think that's a good thing to consider too. Yeah. But- and something that my, my parents also kind of freaked me out about was debt. Like yeah. I, they just scared me so bad. They would not let me get a credit card for the life of them. And it was just scary to me to think about picking up the debt of like $80,000, $90,000. So I just was like, you know what, if this is the only way I can take without, you know, I'll take the four years over the, the 80, 90,000. It really depends though. Like everybody's journey is different. Some people want need to, and want to get done in a shorter amount of time. So I feel like it, it depends on everybody's journey, but like for me specifically, I just didn't have any other option. Yeah. Well, I think you planned it out perfectly. I love, I love that side of your story. I do want to go back to the GPA because I always ask, you know, do you remember what your GPA was? And I know on your podcast, you've told stories about kind of the start of your GPA. So I'd love to go into that. So. Yeah, this is definitely something that I like to share about because I was, I was scared. Um, so I originally went to community college. I had no guidance. I was literally just taking whatever courses I thought I needed to take. I didn't see a counselor. I was like, Ooh, yoga. That sounds fun. Um, intro to algebra. Okay. Like, so I was just signing up for classes I shouldn't have even been taking. Um, and I had no drive, no dedication. I didn't even have a goal. Um, so I, you would catch me, it was the worst. You would catch me sleeping in class, um, you know, not showing up and I didn't even withdraw from my classes. I just stopped going and got F's on my record. So that led me to not only being a dropout, but having a 1.5 GPA, um, on my record. And so again, going back to like not having, um, knowledge about, the way college works. I thought that if I just went to another college, that GPA would not follow me. So I moved to San Diego and I started going to school, did all my prereqs without thinking I would ever have to bring up that 1.5 GPA. And so I went to get all my admissions ready to apply for the dental hygiene program. I had completed all of my prereqs. And um, at that time, things had really changed for me. It had been maybe like over five years since I initially got that 1.5 GPA. And so school was different for me. When I did my prereqs for dental hygiene, I got one B. So I was very dedicated, a completely different student than the first time. And so I go to apply and she goes, oh, we see here that you went to this other college, um, but we don't have those transcripts. And I just remember like my face just felt bright red and I got so hot. I was like, I'm not going to be able to get into this dental hygiene program if I have to give you those transcripts. And she was like, well, actually, when we look at your um, prerequisites, we 
literally just look at those grades. So although we need those transcripts, we won't be looking at those classes if they aren't your prereqs. And thankfully for that, this school, they weren't like it, it was completely different classes, you know, like a yoga class and whatever. And so that 1.5 GPA didn't affect um, my prerequisite GPA. And now I don't know if that's how every school works, but that's how this program did it. And so that's ultimately how I was still able to um, apply for the dental hygiene program and get in. And so, yeah. Yeah. And you got in on your first try, right? Yeah. So that's, that's another, another, um, I don't know, I guess I could share really quickly, but that um, I had no backup and looking back, I can't even believe that I didn't have a backup and I didn't apply to any other school. Um, I didn't have a plan like that. I just was like, this is the school and that's where I'm going to go. And I, I don't advise that at all, but that's what you know, ultimately happened to me. So I applied and I got in the first time. Um, and looking back, I'm like, wow, I really should have had a backup plan. Yeah. That's a bold strategy, but sometimes you just know what you want. And sometimes I know this sounds crazy, but sometimes your destiny is putting a path in your, in your way and you're just supposed to take it and it works out for the best sometimes. So I, I think that's, it all, you know, comes together the way that it's supposed to. I know you talk about the school that you ended up going to. And if you're, if you don't mind sharing, you know, where you went to school and then also tell us a little bit about the admissions process, because I know it's a lottery system, which is different than others, you know, other programs, especially I've worked at three different programs and it's very different than, than that. So I went to school in uh, San Diego, California at Southwestern College for my associate's degree. And at the time, the system was different. It was not lottery system. It was actually a first come first serve basis. So you would get on the website the day of the application and you would apply. And if you were able to fill out everything correctly and everything went smoothly, then you had a good chance of getting in. So I was there, you know, first, very first minute that it flipped over and I was applying and that's how I got in. But then I believe like the next year they changed it to a lottery system, which makes it definitely a lot harder um, to get in your first time. So now it's a lottery system, which is basically um, you put everybody's name in a bucket and you're pulling names out and um, going through their applications and letting them know that they got into the program. That's crazy. <laughs> I know. I mean, because it kind of makes you feel like, gosh, do I even have a chance? You know, should I even apply? Yeah. But if you, but the things are, they're probably looking at GPA, right? There's got to be a minimum GPA that you have to have. There is. Yeah, there is a minimum. When I was going, it was 2.5, but it has since increased. I want, I'm not sure what it is now, but I know it's, it's gone up a little bit. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. So when, so you had to fill out the whole application. Did you have to, you said you had to write a personal statement, right? So did you have that pre-written and you just had to paste it in? Um, I did have that. I believe I had that pre-written or it might've been something that you do after you get in. I, I don't remember exactly, but yeah, it was a, a written statement, but we didn't have an interviewing process either. So I get questions about that. And I'm like, oh, I didn't have one. You'll have to go listen to my episode about the craziest interview of all time because I had 10 mini interviews and it was awful. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I could imagine what it was like. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, and there's pros and cons to the interview because if you're a strong interviewer, that looks good on you and you get, you know, extra kind of points for that. But if you have no interview and maybe you have weak spots on your application, you might not get the chance to address those weak spots and why you, you know, you feel you could overcome them in the program. 
Yeah. And, you know, with the process that my class went through, as far as it being like a first come first serve basis, I mean, we had a lot of people that didn't make it. And I think that's a big reason too, why like the systems change pretty much every year. Um, But I think that that had a big, a big effect on that just because, you know, with the point system, there are things that will give you a better chance of being successful in the program. So I, I think that like a point system is more ideal um, than, you know, just like a first come first serve thing, because there are things that are going to make you have like make you be stronger and get you through the program rather than, you know, not having things lined up. Yeah. And I know you said you started with a class of 36, right? And then you finished with 22. What do you feel like were yeah. the biggest reasons why? I know you said that maybe it started on the front end. Maybe had there been a better screening process, or, you know, maybe we you wouldn't have been in that situation. Maybe people who were stronger applicants would have lasted. But I hate to assume that because I think you were going through school during COVID too, right? So yeah, there's a lot to say. We never know anyone's individual circumstances, but I still like to ask the question: What do you think? What do you think could be a reason why people might not succeed? I mean, I, I do feel that a better screening system would truly help because I know that there was a lot of, um, people that got into the program and at my program, you have to find your own patients. And for some people, like that's a deal breaker, you know, they don't want to have to go out and find people that it's really, really hard. It adds a whole, like a whole nother level of stress to the program. Um, and the fact that like, you have to get a, um, what is it? It's a 75 shoot. I can't even remember right now. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Usually Um, 75 is passing considered passing. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel that there's just so many variables that happen throughout the program that it's just tough. And COVID definitely added a whole nother thing to, to my class too. I don't know. There's just so many aspects. Yeah. It's usually never just one thing. Some of the other things we see are, you know, fa- lack of family support, financial situations, um, even weak, like if you're weak in some of your classes coming in, especially prerequisites, those science classes, those can be kind of red flags that it might be a struggle if you're already struggling, you know, because we know how difficult hygiene school is. And it's just like a, a baseball game where they never stop throwing baseballs at you. You're just, yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things that really shocked me in dental hygiene school was, um, clinical competencies. Mm -hmm. I had never done that type of testing where you are sitting there using an instrument and a professor is literally like right next to you watching the first time that that, like we went through that process, I was like in shock. I was like, this is super, super stressful. And I had no idea that this is what happens in here. (laughs) So I feel like also knowing more about how you're tested would help you like mentally prepare. I agree. I know. And as a educator, you know, I was always trying to tell the students like, it's okay. I'm here to give you feedback. Like, yes, there will be a time where this test will matter, you know, for like a summative feedback right now or formative, but right now we're just giving you little feedback to get you where you're going. And everyone would be shaking in their boots. And I remember being the same way, but that's a good thing to know going in because if you have like severe performance anxiety, that's something you would want to try and get a, get, um, get control of before you actually go to dental hygiene school. Cause it's almost like you're on stage while, you know, your professors are watching you. 
Yeah, it definitely is. I I felt so bad the first time we went through like the, it was, I'm pretty sure it was the Explorer and the Probe. No, it was, it was. And um, I was the first one to go in my section and there was four of us. And I was already like class president at the time, like eyes on me to like do good, you know? And so I get done and my professor's like, okay, you got a 75. And I lost it. I started crying. I was bawling. And so like the three people that were after me saw that happen to me. And it was like the floodgates. The whole section was crying by the end of it. And I felt so bad. I felt like it was because I like set the tone, you know, Um, but the next one was definitely much better. But that initial one, I was like, whoa, it was a wave of emotions. I know I talk about in um, one of the other episodes that I when I was a teacher, we would do assessments on Fridays and I would call it Friday cry day because they would all cry. And then I would go home and cry because I was like, I would tell my husband, they were so sad again today. I'm like, please, what am I going to do? <laughs> it just breaks your heart because you know how hard they're trying. And you get to a point where these things become second nature. You pick up an explorer and you don't even think twice about what end you're using. But when you're in the moment and someone's watching you and you're already like, you know, I got a 50% chance of getting it right. (laughs) Like they, it it just makes it so much worse. I don't know, but yeah, well, I did want to ask, you know, prior to getting in, what do you feel like some advice would be for the admissions process in itself, getting ready, getting prepared for dental hygiene school? In the admissions process, I would say to really understand what is going to be expected of you, especially as far as like your schedule goes. For my program, we had no say whatsoever in what your schedule was going to be every semester. And that was really tough for me to take in, especially because I had to work. And so when I found out that like, oh, I don't get to pick what time my class is at or what day it's on, um, I was really, really struggling. Like, how am I going to make this happen? Um, also just starting to identify patients, like either coworkers, fr- if you have to find your patients, you know, coworkers, friends, family members, um, and also just like preparing yourself and the, your support system for what you're going to go through because it is a lot. And having those people like identified and ready to be there to support you will really help you through the program. Yeah, I agree. What about once you actually get into the program, what did you feel like the biggest struggle was? I know everyone always says finding patients, right? Um, and I haven't, I haven't seen a program yet. And I, this just might be, I don't know. I've worked at three and they all had to find their own patients. So I feel like be prepared to find your own patient at least most of the time. But what other struggles do you feel like um, you have advice for? Yeah, so definitely finding patients, but with that, it is doable. Like I moved three hours away to, you know, my coworkers, I had like one coworker and I was able to make it happen, but you will have to put in the work for that, but you can do it. So I just want to say that. Um, But while I was in the dental hygiene program, the hardest thing for me was balancing everything. I was so consumed with dental hygiene and wanting to be, which there's nothing wrong with wanting to get straight A's and all of that. But like when it starts to affect your mental health, like that's when you just like need to learn how to take a break. Um, And also just understanding that you can have, you know, a, a B on your record or something like that and still be an incredible hygienist. It, it, it's not going to determine who you are forever in your career. Um, so just learning how to balance, you know, 
family, friends, significant others, working out, self-care, studying, um, having a good set schedule and being organized with it will help you tremendously. I feel like I was kind of just all over the place trying to do it all at once. Um, and it wasn't until like going through COVID when I really learned that like everything will work itself out and it will be okay. Like COVID. So I was supposed to take my clinical boards exam two weeks before, um, two weeks after COVID happened. So COVID happened and my clinical board exam got canceled. And I had been studying for what, two and a half, three months. And that exam when you're in hygiene school is like your life. And so when that got canceled, it really just threw everything up in the air for me. And it just taught me to go with the flow more, like enjoy the journey. Failing is part of the journey. Learning is part of the journey. Um, and just really embracing the things that you go through in dental hygiene school. It makes it so much better if you can just really learn to to have fun with it and enjoy the moment while you're there. Yeah. I, sometimes I wish I would have done it differently where I had, I had a lot of fun in undergrad. My grades maybe reflected that, but I still did like well enough to get into dental hygiene school and everything. And then when I got into dental hygiene school, I just went into like hyper-focus modes, kind of like you said, just all in on dental hygiene. And I wanted all A's. I was the class president. I was, you know, very similar. I hear myself in your story and it did kind of tip me over the edge. I was very, very stressed out. And I kind of wish that someone would have told me like, Hey, if you don't get, you know, a 90 or a 100 or whatever on this test, like it's going to be okay. Even if you get all B's, like you're still going to soak up and absorb this knowledge because you care about it so much, but maybe don't feel the need to like, I don't know, just be so, I hate to use the word perfect. Cause I feel like that perfectionism, especially linked to dental hygiene gets tossed around a lot. But it is, I just, I don't know. I had like a chip on my shoulder. Like I was trying to prove something to myself. Like if I can get the best grades then I can be the best hygienist and I can, yeah, I don't know. So I, I like that you bring that up because I think it's something that a lot of people need to hear. A lot of type A individuals, probably like you and me, who could have benefited from hearing that earlier on, just like, take it easy. Because once you get older, you kind of start to be like, ah. Oh, it's just take it easy. It's, it's okay to be a little more chill about things. Like we only get to live this life once. Make sure you enjoy some of hygiene school too. Yeah. And hygiene school goes by so fast. I look back and I'm like, man, I wish I would have just soaked that up a little bit more. Yeah, I agree. Well, I appreciate you coming on and uh, being my guest today. I think you shared a lot of really good insights that the students will enjoy hearing about. If you wouldn't mind just sharing where people can find you on any of your socials, and then that way they can come look you up. Yeah. So um, best place is usually Instagram, uh, Brush with Brit. Um, Brit is with two T's. And then you can always contact me um, through email as well, which is also brushwithbrit at gmail.com. Awesome. And she has an amazing podcast too. <laughs> oh yeah. And yeah. I have a brush with Brit podcast. <laughs> yes. So go Thank like, you. subscribe. <laughs> yes, of course. Well, I appreciate you coming on and um, hopefully maybe one day we can meet in person and say our hellos <laughs> face to face. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. And thank you for what you do and sharing information and helping other hygienists. Of course. Thank you so much, Brit. Have a good rest of your day.